We've seen ancient Italy, ancient Rome, the origins of Yahoo, how crazy people can be with conspiracy theories. We've seen mad liars, we've seen mad scientists, and we've even had a game show. And now this is the season finale of What A Joke Season 1. Last week, I talked about liars, and I'm sort of picking up from there. I mentioned a couple of people who lied to win competitions or who lied because it was their jobs, you know? In a sense, lying was also this person's job. More like his entire life. I'm going to tell you the impossible story of Prince Khalid bin Al Saud. Or should I say, Anthony Gignac. Hello there, I'm Bio, and you're now listening to What a Joke. Please take note that continued listening may result in one or more of the following involuntary and unrestrained laughter, learning new things, enjoyment, being offended, and falling in love. And most importantly, always remember don't take everything you hear on here too seriously. A lot of us have seen films about con artists. I mean, people that lie with such finesse that you can't help but believe everything they say. Even if their stories may be preposterous, they make it work. You know, they're creative. This man's lies was so preposterous and so uncreative that somehow people just believe them anyway. Gignac was born in 1970s Colombia. And this was a time when there were a lot of orphans, like a lot. Kids were left to fend for themselves, surviving on only sense. That's where his origin story began. Life was bad, like for a lot of people. But when you hear how Gignac describes his backstory, you're going to just want to hang your mouth open. According to him, he watched his father kill his younger brother after being unable to afford food for the whole family. He was later sold into sex slavery and ended up on the streets, single-handedly caring for yet another brother. All of this happened before he turned six. It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) I like, wow. That's actually a beautiful, that's actually a beautiful story though. But wow. Eventually he got adopted by a middle-class family in Michigan and spent most of his childhood lying about his parents owning half of Detroit. He was already building a taste for it. And then at 17, he somehow successfully impersonated a 52-year-old billionaire arms dealer. That sentence should not even, like, ever work. But he did. And subsequently, I think in his escape, he shows up on the doorstep of this um, Arabian-American family and he tells them that he is the son of a Saudi prince. And if they do not let him in, his father's secret police will target them and possibly annihilate them. In fear, they, you know, agree and they take him in. And while this story makes absolutely no sense, because if they were after him, I feel like they would, his father's, in quote, secret police would target the family for taking him in and not like keeping him out. But, you know, to each their own. Eventually, 
he does get caught, arrested, and he's sent to juvie. And that is where the story should end. But it is, it's not, it's not, this is, this is just the beginning. Gignac definitely has to go down as one of the greatest liars in history. One reason being, he did not even look remotely Saudi Arabian. Guy looks as Latino as they come. Latinx? I don't, I don't want to sound in, in politically incorrect. Uh, you would think it's diff- easy to differentiate between Colombians and Saudi Arabians, but I guess to white people, everybody looks the same. Yeah, you can say that. The reason I read this guy's lies, though, is that it's almost as if he says the first thing that comes to mind. He doesn't think it through just Saudi Arabia and anything. Saudi Arabian prince, Saudi Arabian king, Saudi Arabian shoemaker. I believe, with all honesty, he could walk into the White House telling them he's the Saudi Arabian Oval Office inspector here on an impromptu visit. It's probably a real job. And they take him straight to the Oval Office to meet the president. But he didn't have any particular ambitions. He didn't want to go like grand, deceiving kings and queens, at least not in the beginning. So... It was more like vibes and baby boy lifestyle for this guy. Um, hello there. Would you like the ambitions package? <laughs> no, none of that for me. I'll take the basic. He got older and times changed. But his lies, they were forever constant. And if we're being honest, there's so many Saudi Arabian princes that you couldn't possibly know them all. Even they don't know themselves. Baba, this is cousin. I'm sure you've met. I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. As long as you have enough money, you could probably pull this gum off too. But it's not like his corn didn't have its hitches every now and then. For example, when his card would get declined, that's when his true con man prowess would come to light. A little quiz for you. Was his response A, try again? B. Your machines are bad. C. My bank is issue. D. <clears throat> I'm Prince Khalid bin Al Saud. I'll tell my daddy for you. You guessed it. D. And it worked every blessed time. He checked into a suite at a Hollywood hotel, free of charge, walks in the stores and gets stuff worth thousands of dollars with a what? I owe you. Like, how should you know idea what store in Nigeria you could try that in? But like, if you know any, please tell me. And it's not even like he was buying on credit with credit cards. He just said his name and took stuff and said, I'll send you money later. Sir, I'm going to need you to pay. I am Prince Khalid bin Al Saud. That, that's okay, sir. But I'll need you. I will pay later. Do you know who my father is? This guy ran through hotels from Hawaii to New York without spending a dime. Hundreds of thousands of dollars without spending. <laughs> On the few occasions that option D didn't work, like when hotels actually vexed and planned to kick him out because he hadn't paid yet, the seeds of his corn would bloom like a beautiful flower. A corn flower. Other hotel guests would argue over the right to pay for him. 
because, you know, they all thought the prince was going to reward them. I'm going to pay for him. No, I'm going to pay for him. No, I'm going to pay for him. Stop that. Give me, what's, what's, what's his room number? In a world where Nigerian princes had been the way to go, one man went against the flow. He became someone else. Something else. He is the Arabian prince. Major companies will be waiting for a meeting with a Saudi prince and absolutely nobody in the room questioned it when a very clearly non-Arab man bawled inside with a chihuahua and went, yo, bribe me before I greet you good morning. At one point, he showed up at a university offering a $45 million donation and then asked for $16,000 to pay the taxes on the transfer. <coughs> smells like Yahoo to me. And the university just wired it over. I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it kind of went like this. There's white people in the uni. We should totally do this. Oh, yeah. Black guy in the room, like the only black guy in the room. Guys, I think we should take the time to thank white people. Taekwon, you're so funny. Ugh. Now send the money. Because there had to be at least one black guy in the room saying, no, this is obviously a scam. Yeah. But possibly his greatest feat ever would have to be what is now known as the great Miami Bill Kepar. Crack.com came up with that one. Back in 93, Gignac was staying at the Grand Bay Hotel in Miami for free when he invited two guys back to his suite for a little party. Yeah. Mm. Instead, they ended up beating him and robbing him. Sounds like an actual proper Miami party to me. The cops, absolutely shocked as such a terrible crime could happen, happen under their noses to such a distinguished individual, promised to investigate. Unfortunately, they also decided to call the Saudi embassy, you know, and offered to keep them in the loop, smoothing over any diplomatic tensions. Right about then, the embassy guys were like, Huh? Prince who? Problem. Problem. Another problem. Gignac flew the coop, but for, for a guy like him, because he doesn't really try that hard, it wasn't hard for them to track him down. And they charged him with impersonating a Saudi prince to defraud several establishments. Regular prison systems allow their prisoners one phone call. So who did Gignac call? He didn't have his own lawyer, but he contacted a local defense attorney named Oscar Rodriguez and explained that there had been a terrible mistake. He was actually a Saudi prince. Everybody else was just wrong. And that if Rodriguez bailed him out, his father would make him stinking rich. Uh, I mean, if, it's, if an actual Saudi prince, like an actual one, got arrested, I don't think he'd be calling a total stranger using his father's name when said father probably had hundreds of associates. This should be where the story ends. Surely the lawyer didn't believe him. Right? Right? Wrong. And the story goes on. Rodriguez, somehow completely convinced, teamed up with two local bail bondsmen and spent a small fortune getting Gignac out of prison. <sighs> Sweet Mouth continues, because his babalao was clearly a professional. 
From prison, Gignac asked Rodriguez to drop him off at the local Amex office, where he introduced himself with the name of a real prince and demanded a limitless platinum card to replace the one he'd lost. Now, obviously, you can't just waltz into a credit office looking like you just got out of prison and then get a limitless card, right? So the employees politely asked him to answer some security questions first, you know. And at this point, the prince went with option D. A few minutes later, he had his card and he was balling out. So just like that, in under 24 hours, Gignac went from prison bad bad to total freedom and millions of dollars to spend anywhere he wanted. He was living the Saudi Arabian American dream. And all he had to do was ask. So don't be afraid to ask for that 2K. Unfortunately, his lack of ambition also translated to a lack of direction. He'd been nabbed for the fraud already a bunch of times. And he should have been thinking of ways to settle down, retire, maybe even start a different corner altogether. Did he do that? No. Instead, he spent days trying to impress his bondsmen by taking them on flights everywhere. Booking out entire first-class cabins because a prince can't sit on a plane with anyone else. I mean, that's common knowledge. Rodriguez, somehow, realizing he had been conned, I guess Gignac's, Gignac was using the temporary Babalao package, the panicking Rodriguez flew to New York with bondsmen to deal with this sorcerer. Unfortunately for Gignac, his greatest weakness had been discovered. Getting beaten up by a group of pissed-off bail bondsmen. They took him to the airport, at which point he threw in option D with a little more spice. My father's enemies are kidnapping me. It was while at the airport because security had shotguns and they were ready to pop guys because I feel like they don't use them enough, so any chance... They eventually calmed down the airport security, but Rodriguez and his men had missed their flight. Road trip. Rodriguez locked Gignac in the boot of his rental car and drove all the way to Miami. Dumped him in prison. And this is just one of many times Gignac got caught. Because, yeah, the guy got caught a lot. But every time, after just a short prison sentence, guy carried on like nothing happened. Didn't even change the name he was using. <laughs> and guess what? It still worked. This should be the end of the story. I mean, like, this is a lot of content. No. Remember when he got a platinum card? Yeah, not too long ago, using option D. Well, a few years later, that same establishment gave another replacement card to a Saudi prince that also chose option D. It was still Gignac, by the way. Just weeks after scamming Rodriguez and getting back in prison... He called a different Miami lawyer, who also, of course, believed he was a real prince. Again, he even convinced Johnny Cochran, one of the guys on the team of lawyers that got O.J. Simpson acquitted. I mean, like, that's, that's levels. I'm the reason O.J. walked. And he got this guy to fly down to meet him in prison. This is the same prison that Gignac had apparently tried to escape before by setting his own cell on fire and then covering the floor with soap so that the guards would come in and slip and fall when they tried to put out the fire. Yeah, that's how smart he is. Which is what pisses me off even more that people go... <laughs> people... 
But all things must come to an end. When you keep betting because you keep winning, then eventually your luck will run out. In 2015, he was living at Fisher Island, which, by the way, has the richest zip code in America. I don't know if you know what a zip code is because whenever I'm ordering stuff and they ask me for zip code, I put zero, one, and hope it works. But then, like, the average income of this place, when I checked in the video that was talking to me, was like 600 and something thousand dollars annually. Like, for that to be the average. <sighs> oh, wow. Like, Beverly Hills does not come close. And there, Gignac met an investment manager named Carl. And he told Carl and anyone else who would listen that he held a major stock in the Saudi state oil company. A private company speculated to be worth trillions. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I've gone from billion to trillion. Of course, Carl had no reason to doubt this very not Arabian looking man. He became Gignac's ticket to the big leagues, billionaires and their friends. I mean, Gignac had been scamming establishments, he'd been scamming individuals, but he'd never, you know, gotten the chance to scam actual billionaires. And now he was here. He'd made it. Persistence always pays off. He had all of them in the palm of his hands and he could legit ask for a 150 grand loan. I mean, he's supposed to pay loans back, right? Or he could ask for a Rolex out of the blue. Yeah. And everybody would drop it, like, just to prove their loyalty. It all went so good that it's almost like Murphy's Law doesn't apply to this guy. So he took a step for, further, got diplomatic plates, got fake DSS officers, you know, made it look more legit, more legit. But it all came crashing down at dinner when he was chowing with real estate tycoon Jeffrey Sofa's family. The Saudi Arabian prince was eating a meal, like everyone else, but his had pork in it. I believe we're familiar with the fact that Muslims aren't supposed to eat pork. Immediately, Safa had his guards investigate the man on the low, but it really didn't take long to nab him. It's, it's like he wasn't even trying to hide anything, which when you think about it, it's true because he wasn't trying at all. Gignac was charged with embarrassing rich people, which is the greatest crime in American history. Ugh. In 2019, he was sentenced to 18 years in prison and ordered to pay $7 million in restitution, which I am very sure he cannot afford. But I like to think that somewhere in a prison in Florida, a middle-aged convict is spamming option D at every chance he gets. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to the end. If you liked it or not, please share with your friends, family, enemies, and total strangers in any way you can. Help share the humor. It would also mean a lot if you could subscribe to this show on the official Jammer platform. And I'd love to respond to your comments on the official Jammer Twitter page at Jammer FM under the post for this episode. Tune in next Monday for another episode because really, you can't make this stuff up.